Let's talk about today's sponsor, Javi Coffee. Javi Coffee is the way I love to start off my morning. I work very, very hard for you guys to put out the best content possible. And I get my energy from Javi Coffee. Would you like to have that same energy that I have every single morning? Well, you should try Javi Coffee. And for you guys, you can actually get three bottles of Javi Coffee for only $16.95 per unit. Each bottle contains 30 servings. It will save you so much money from going to your local coffee shop. And by the way, folks, it actually tastes even better. You can use sugar. You can use monk fruit. I'm a low carb person. I don't like the carbs. This is keto friendly. And guys, it is super easy to make. Just put water in your cup. Add one teaspoon or two teaspoons of Javi coffee. Mix it up, use whipped cream, sugar, mop fruit, whatever. And folks, it tastes absolutely amazing. So check out the link in the description or the pinned comment and get Javi coffee delivered to you today. First, here's a word from today's sponsor. Friends, I'm very concerned about food shortages coming to America. No, not local or short lived shortages. I'm talking about a national food shortage. That will affect everyone, everywhere, for a very long time. Would you be ready if that happened? Probably not. That's why I urge you to get some long-term storage emergency food from my friends at My Patriot Supply. They're the original Patriot Survival Company. Over the past decade, they've served millions of American families like yours. Their mission is your survival. And right now, you can save 25% on a four-week kit of emergency food that will save the day, probably soon. This four-week kit has a wide variety of delicious food that provides over 2,000 calories per day, the right amount for optimum survival. Go to preparewithblackandwhite.com so you can claim your four-week emergency food kit and save 25% in the process. Order a tasty starter kit for each member of your family, and they will ship everything quickly and discreetly to your door. That's prepare with blackandwhite.com. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Sports. Well, it seems like every other week, at least, sometimes every Monday. Maybe, maybe it's the weekend. But it seems I'm always having to do a video on an NFL player that has committed another felony act of some sort. Now, we just came off the NFL draft, and it's pretty widely known around the NFL that that prior to the draft, some teams will take chances on players that's had issues. Other teams automatically pull them off their boards, Okay. Now, I know the Houston Texans, from what I understand, they're very high on character. Yeah, Deshaun Watson was on that team. But Kyle McNair, once all the allegations started coming out, wanted him off that team. And it was Nick Casario that took his time to get the best offer, while in the background, the owner was banging the drum for Deshaun Watson to get out of town. He didn't want him out of town. It's a pretty religious organization. They, they're they big on Christianity, the Houston Texans. 
And, of course, there's other teams that just will not draft players with character issues. So, a player I actually liked a lot when he played was Bart Scott. Bart Scott works for ESPN now. He played with the Jets. And he has made some comments that I just flat don't agree with, okay? I believe you can win with guys with high character, guys without criminal histories, guys that have not been in trouble. I mean, look, I just think that's something you're able to do if you've got the right coaching and the right quarterback. And let's be honest, that's the two things that I believe you need. Well, he's made some some puzzling comments, and I, I just think they're idiotic. This is OutKick. ESPN's Bart Scott says NFL teams need players, quote, with a couple of felonies to win. <laughs> wow. Former NFL linebacker turned ESPN analyst Bart Scott said Thursday that in order for teams to be successful, they need to have players with a couple of felonies to their name. All right. Quote, you have to get some tough guys and everyone can't be choir boys. Well, now, Bart Scott, do you really believe that uh, guys can't be tough without also following the, the rules of the land? Really? Huh. I wonder how many Marines and, and Army Rangers and guys like that are actually law-abiding citizens. Do you really think NFL players are tougher than them? Because I don't. Scott said via USA Today's Scooby Axon, quote, when I was with the Ravens, we had to make sure that we had at least two people on the team with a couple of felonies just to make sure our street cred was right. Wow. When we had to go into these back alleys and have some of these dog fights, dude, you're not going on back alleys. You're going to a football field. Sorry. Quote, sometimes you have to have some people that's not no choir boys. That's why you have a strong locker room to hold them in check. Scott, who played for the Ravens from 2002 to 2008, was teammates with players such as Ray Lewis, Jamal Lewis, and Terrell Suggs. Apart from being all Pro Bowl players with their respective positions, the trio also had some run-ins with laws. Nobody's going to dispute the greatness of those players. I get that. But Joe Montana was pretty damn great, too. I'm just saying. Tom Brady has been pretty damn great, too. Ray Lewis is the most famous example as the Hall of Fame linebacker was charged with murder in 2000, he later reached a plea deal and pled guilty to obstruction of justice. Jamal Lewis was sentenced to four months of prison in 2005 after pleading guilty for attempting to set up a drug deal for a friend. Suggs also was charged with felony aggravated assault in 2003. He has been accused multiple times of domestic violence. As anyone could imagine, the host of ESPN's radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, were taken aback by Scott's comments. I'm sure Fitzsimmons was like, oh, shit. One host even said, quote, oh, boy, I bet that was Fitzsimmons. Before Scott continued, yes, he still wasn't done making his point. Quote, the funniest sign I ever saw in my life was 52 plus 31 equals 10 to 20. It was Ray Lewis and Jamal Lewis equals 10 to 20 in prison, Scott said. Terrell Suggs beat a dude with a stop sign coming out of Arizona State. 
you got to have a couple of guys like that. We can clean them up. We can get them counseling. But you have to have a couple of goons, and you definitely have to have some goblins. That is absolutely stupid. It's hard to see how having players with criminal records can positively impact a team, regardless of talent. Look no further than the Browns quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who set out the entire 2021 season with the Texans amid assault and misconduct allegations. But this is Scott, who is known to have strong opinions, and back in January, Scott actually uttered on ESPN broadcast that Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, should take a Viagra before Buffalo's chilly home playoff game against the Patriots. No, for real, he said that. Quote, take a Viagra before the game, baby. That'll get the circulation going right. A lot of NFL players, at least in my day, took Viagra because it opened up blood vessels. Uh, I've got to admit, that's not the first time I've heard that. I've heard that about a lot of NFL players prior to games. Yeah, they take a Viagra because it supposedly opens up the blood vessels. Uh, So, I don't know that that impacts the story involving the felons because I just don't buy it, okay? I believe that teams can absolutely succeed with high-character guys and win Super Bowls without having a bunch of felons running around. And let's just be real, and this is a message to Roger Goodell, it makes your league look like shit. It just does. It always has. It's been a horrible black eye. And for all the praise that Ray Lewis gives gets from people, it's amazing how many people forgot about that incident back in the day. I know many people have it. Okay, that's still a thing. But the idea that you can't have guys with high character and that guys can't be tough without being criminals, are you insane? Again, have you ever met a Navy SEAL, an Army Ranger, you know, a Marine? I mean, come on. We're talking about alpha melds of the highest order, Texas Rangers. You ever met those guys? I'm not talking about the baseball players. These are alpha males of the highest order, law-abiding citizens, and they're tougher than any football player. I mean, sorry, what about MMA guys? There's a lot of them that have squeaky clean records, and those dudes are tough as hell. Yeah, there's some bad apples out there too, and I understand there are outliers in the NFL. But I just think these are idiotic comments. I normally like Bart Scott. I don't really agree with a lot of his takes. But I really liked him as a player. Can't wait. I mean, I remember that. It was a great line. But this is a dumbass statement. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Make sure you hit subscribe. And we appreciate you guys watching. As always, peace till next time. I'm out. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, we're going to be talking about NBA Hall of Famer Scottie Pippen. The Chicago Bulls great has been in the media attention about the last year because he's coming out with a new book. And he's been taking shots at Michael Jordan. He seems to be extremely jealous 
of Michael Jordan. Now, why is he doing this? Probably for book sales. But for anybody to think that Scottie Pippen was on the same level as Michael Jordan, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Scottie was a great player, but he was no Michael Jordan. I want to be clear about that. Well, guys, Scottie seems to be even more salty still right now. So that's what we're going to be talking about here in this video, guys. First, go over to blackandwhitenetwork.com. Check out exclusive content. Grab a membership by clicking the membership tab. Memberships just start at $5 per month. You can help support our work over here at blackandwhitenetwork.com. Or if you'd like to donate, just click the donation tab, send a direct donation. Or you can shop for the merch. And we're running a 26% off special just use the discount code LaChana1. With that being said, guys, let's go ahead and get into this. Scottie Pippen has even more salty comments about Michael Jordan. And we're talking about defensive player of the year. Now, Scottie Pippen was an all-time great defensive player. He made eight all-NBA first team, all-defensive teams, I should say. Michael Jordan, nine. Scottie Pippen was an all-time great defender, but he seems to be triggered that he never won defensive player, player of the year. And the excuse was the media was too focused on Michael Jordan. My goodness. Here we go, guys. Scottie Pippen certainly has unflinching commitment to character when it comes to hating on Michael Jordan. This is on Larry Brown Sports. The retired basketball Hall of Famer Pippen had some more salty comments this week about his former Chicago Bulls teammate, Jordan Pippen, who was known for his defensive prowess during his NBA career, complained that he never won a Defensive Player of the Year award due to all the attention Jordan was getting from the media. Quote, I think they were too busy watching Michael, said Pippen in an interview with Trash Talk Production. Now, guys, Michael Jordan won one Defensive Player of the Year award. One. And that came in um, Scottie Pippen's rookie season. Michael Jordan wasn't even a champion then. But, guys, Hakeem Olajuwon was an all-time great defensive player. Hakeem won two. Jordan won one. Dikembe Mutombo won three of these awards. Jordan won one. So Scottie Pippen making this excuse that they were too busy watching Michael is ridiculous. When other players that aren't considered, you know, to be on the same level as Jordan, especially with the media, they won more defensive player of the year awards than uh, Michael Jordan. This is pretty pathetic, you know, from uh, Scottie Pippen to come out and, uh, and say this. Now, guys, look, here's a list of uh, defensive player of the years. Michael Jordan. This is a uh, Scottie Pippen's uh, rookie year right here. Mark Eaton won um, one, two, but we're just talking about doing a uh, Scottie Pippen's time. I believe uh, Scottie Pippen's last season was 2003, 2004. Dennis Rodman won back to back defensive player of the year awards. Was the media more focused on Dennis Rodman than Michael Jordan? I don't think so. David Robinson won one. 
Hakeem Olajuwon won back-to-back, and Hakeem Olajuwon is probably one of the top three defensive players of all time. Dikembe Mutombo, 94-95. Gary Payton. Then, when the Bulls won their last two titles, the defensive player of the year was not Michael Jordan. It was Dikembe Mutombo. He won three. But Scottie Pippen wants to say that the media was focusing too much on Michael Jordan. He's wrong about this. He is just so salty. Extremely salty. And Scottie Pippen is not helping his cause. He's not making any good excuse whatsoever for him not winning Defensive Player of the Year. And these guys here are all-time great defenders. Dennis Rodman is in the Hall of Fame because of his defense and rebounding. Mark Eaton was an all-time great defender as well. And this was the greatest era of center play in NBA history, the 80s and 90s. Dikembe Mutombo, all-time great defender. Gary Payton was called the glove. Wow. Scotty, man, let it go, man. Let it go. But Scotty just seems to want to keep making all these comments And it's clear as day that he is extremely jealous of Michael Jordan. He's extremely jealous of Michael Jordan. He believes, I truly do believe that he believes that he was on the same level as Michael Jordan in every single way. Now, Scotty, the first time Michael Jordan retired, you had a great year in uh, 1993-94 season. You were great, but you would know Akeem Olajuwon. Let's be clear about that. You would know Akeem. Akeem won the MVP. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that Scotty finished um, third in MVP voting. And a lot of people were thinking that the Bulls are just going to fall off a cliff. They didn't. They won 55 games. They only won uh, two less games than they did the previous season when they won their third straight title. Scotty was a great player. But let it go, man. You are not Michael Jordan. You're not Akeem Olajuwon. You're not better than David Robinson. You're a great player, though, man. Stop being salty. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fan Scottie Pippen, when will he stop with his jealousy of Michael Jordan making all these excuses, saying that the media was too focused on Michael Jordan when Michael Jordan only won one Defensive Player of the Year award? One salty anyway guys let us know what you think about all this in the comments make sure you subscribe to black and white sports and we'll catch you next time thanks for watching the show be sure to like comment and subscribe be sure to tune in next time on black and white sports you're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, we need to talk about former NFL player Kevin Ware. Now, this particular story, I don't believe we've actually covered here on this channel. Maybe Rose did it, but I'm not really sure. But I know that I did not cover this story. Well, guys, here's a little bit of a bat story here. Kevin Ware used to play with the San Francisco 49ers. He lives in the Houston area up in um, Spring. 
He's actually in jail right now because we'll get to um, some of that um, here in a few minutes. But there was a party on April 25th and he actually shared a home with his girlfriend and they got into some type of an altercation, some type of fight, according to people that were there. And that same day she disappeared. Now, fast forward in December of last year, she disappeared. Nobody had seen her. A body was found. And now, folks, we can confirm now that that is the ex-girlfriend of former NFL player Kevin Ware. So over here on the New York Post remains found in Texas ID as missing girlfriend of ex-NFL player Kevin Ware. And that's uh, Kevin Ware right there on the right. And this is his ex-girlfriend on the left, Taylor Pomonsky. This is sad, guys. Uh, remains discovered in December have been identified as Taylor Pomonsky, the missing Texas girlfriend of former NFL player Kevin Ware, authority said. Pomonsky, 29, was last seen April 25th, 2021, at a party at her home in Spring, Texas, was identified as the remains by the Harris County Institute of Forensic Sciences, uh, Harris County Sheriff's Office told NBC News on Saturday. Quote, the investigation is still open and active and homicide investigators are diligent on bringing this case to a close. Senior Deputy um, Thomas Gilliland told the outlet in an email. The remains were found December 10th in North Harris County as authorities were scouring for clues about her disappearance. The sheriff's office previously said Pomonsky had been living uh, with Ware, a former tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. When she was reported missing. Prosecutors identified Ware as a suspect in her disappearance during a bond hearing on an unrelated gun charge and a drug case. No charges have been filed against Ware in Pomosky's disappearance. Ware's attorney, Kobe Du Bois, uh, said at the time that the former athlete had been cooperating with um, authorities. Quote, he's told the police everything that he knows and he's led them through his house. He's let them in his home. And that's really all uh, we're going to say about that. The boy said, so guys, Kevin Ware could be in a lot of trouble. He really could be in a lot of trouble. He was one of the last people to actually see her. Now I'm not accusing him of uh killing, killing her. I'm not an investigator. I'm not a police officer, but um, her family this is actually from uh, last June. Her family believes that he knows something, though. Now, this is what um, her father had to say at the time. Quote, if he's not responsible, he has to know something. It's kind of hit us early in the day. We haven't heard from her in a week and a half, two weeks at this point. That was back in uh, June. And he continues on. I'm terrified for the potential outcome. It breaks my heart. Yeah, this is sad, guys. But uh, Kevin Ware, man, he's had his troubles with the law. Here is some of the things here. His rap sheet, if you will. He has been in a lot of trouble here, folks. In May of 2010, he was accused of uh, running out of bar without paying his tap. On June 27, 2010, he was arrested for evading arrest in Houston, he was accused of assaulting valet at a bar. 
charged with escape and theft and held at the uh, Harris County Jail on a combined $10,000 bond. In December 2018, uh, he was convicted for intent to manufacture or deliver a controlled substance. He was sent to prison for two years. On April 19, 2021, he was arrested and charged with two counts of possession with intent to deliver a controlled substance and unlawfully possessing a firearm as a felon. He posted a $23,000 bond on April 20th. Witnesses reported a violent fight between him and Pomosky doing a get together at his home in spring on April 25th, 2021, which was the last day she was seen. So guys, I'm not saying that, um, he killed her. I'm not saying he was involved, but man, there seems to be quite a few things that uh, make you think he knows something. And uh, what do you guys think of this? What do you guys think of the story? The remains of uh, Kevin Ware's ex-girlfriend has been confirmed. It is her. He's actually in um in jail right now in Montgomery County, uh, just north, north of Houston, for a parole violation or something like that. We will keep you guys updated to see if anything else comes to light of this. But I'm pretty sure over the next couple of weeks, more information will uh, be put out now that they have confirmed this is the body of his ex-girlfriend. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Sports fans, liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm pretty sure you guys have heard that before. Now, that brings us to the NFL and actually Grambling State University head football coach Hugh Jackson. As you guys know, Hugh Jackson used to coach uh, the Cleveland Browns and he did an absolute pathetic job. He was fired, but he made some accusations, folks. His accusations were that the Browns paid him to lose games and tank on purpose. However, guys, the NFL now has conducted the investigation and this is the result. Cleveland Browns did not tank in 2016-2017 NFL investigation finds. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Let's read some of this, guys. Acting on allegations that former coach Hugh Jackson, the NFL investigated and on Monday found the Cleveland Browns did not, in fact, lose on purpose during a multi-season span in which they were nonetheless a terrible team because they were god awful. Following a 60 day independent review into comments made by Jackson that the Browns incentivized losing games during the 2016 2017 seasons when he was the head coach, former U.S. attorney and SEC chair. Mary Jo White and a team of lawyers from the D.B. Vols firm determined that none of the allegations 
could be substantiated. Of course, of course. And, it, it, and they actually mentioned it right here. One of the major reasons this was a huge red flag right here, folks. It says, of course, they couldn't because the chief accusations were made by Jackson and he refused to speak with the investigators. Because he knew that he was lying. If you were telling the truth, you would actually talk to the investigators. But no, you didn't want to do that. So the investigation found no evidence to suggest that the Browns four year plan or the club's ownership or football personnel sought to lose or incentivize losses and made no decisions deliberately to weaken the team to secure a more favorable draft position. The review included what the NFL states is, quote, the full cooperation of the Browns and interviews with uh, Jimmy Haslam and current and former members of the organization. In other words, guys, nobody backed his claims. Jackson initially agreed to meet with the investigators, but ultimately did not do so because he knew his line. Although unable to speak directly to Jackson, the DB Voss team had access to his public statements and to his filings and testimony in a prior arbitration proceeding. The Browns had a one in 15 record in 2016 and was 0 in 16 in 2017. Hugh Jackson did a terrible job. So I guess he wanted to make an excuse for losing games. Now, those teams were not good. Make no mistake about it. They were not good. The club, in its defense against the allegations, produced, quote, thousands of pages of documents, including emails, texts, internal memos and presentation debts, as well as other material relating to the club operations and the filings and testimony in the arbitration proceeding between the club and Jackson per the NFL. This investigation ends as the investigation of the Miami Dolphins continues. White is similarly uh, leading an investigation made primarily by former coach Brian Flores, who is suing the NFL, by the way, who claims the Dolphins plan to lose games on purpose in 2019 and owner Stephen Ross offered him uh, Flores $100,000 per game if he lose them on purpose. Flores alleges his refusal to tank ultimately led to his ouster in Miami, which there seems to be no evidence right now that was the reason why. Apparently, he couldn't get along with the GM, who is black, by the way, and Tua. That's the reason why um, Brian Flores no longer is the head coach of the Dolphins. But Hugh Jackson, man, this is not looking good for uh, Brian Flores' uh, claims that the uh, the Dolphins incentivize him to tank. But guys, what do you think it is? Hugh Jackson. What does this actually do to his reputation? His claims debunked by the NFL. And this man did never, he never cooperated in this investigation. And guess what? It came up flat. It was all a lie. Hugh Jackson made it all up. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into. 
black and white sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and white sports two fans. We are back with another video. We got some breaking news from the NFL. Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is now suspended for six games for PEDs. This is just dropping over here on Outkick. Armando Seguro uh, writes this article here. NFL suspends DeAndre Hopkins for violating performance enhancing drug policy. And guys, the uh, the Cardinals actually made a trade. We're going to talk about that in this uh, video as well, because I believe that they knew that this was coming. So this was an insurance policy. It says the 2021 season was off to a rough one for DeAndre Hopkins because it was injury field and ultimately that broke a streak of four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons for the Arizona Cardinals receiver. Safe to say he's probably not getting 1,000 yards next season. Well, the 2022 season is going to start off where last season left off, rough. Hopkins was informed this week he was being suspended six games by the NFL for violating the league's performance-enhancing drugs policy, a source confirmed to OutKick on Monday. The Cardinals later released a statement also confirming the suspension. The suspension means Hopkins can take part in training camp and even preseason games, but must sit out games through the first uh, three weeks of October. So he can return to work following the team's sits regular season game. The NFL is expected to announce his schedule May 12th, and that will explain what opponents will not have to prepare for the receiver early in the season. The suspension with which the Cardinals were aware was a possibility. Here we go, guys comes after the team lost Christian Kirk to the Jacksonville Jaguars in free agency and gives context to the team's acquisition of Marquise Hollywood Brown during the first round of last week's NFL draft. The Cardinals struggled without Hopkins last season. He suffered a hamstring injury early in the season and then had a knee injury that forced him onto the injured reserve list the final four games of the season. The Cardinals lost four of um, the seven regular season games Hopkins uh, missed plus their lone playoff game. The team was 8-2 in games Hopkins played. Wow, huge blow right there. Hopkins caught 42 passes for 572 yards with eight touchdowns. The receiver room has... Been a hub of news because 2020 second round pick Andy Isabella recently was shot prior to the draft, but no move has been made on that front. So there you have it, guys. DeAndre Hopkins, former Houston Texan, by the way. Um, wow. Out out for PEDs. Don't really know exactly which PED it is. Um, also checked out ESPN. It was breaking news over there as well. But DeAndre Hopkins will be on the bench for six games due to peds that's just my thoughts on this what do you guys think of this black and white sports 2 fans let us know what you think about all this in the comments make sure you subscribe to the channel and we'll catch you next time thanks for watching the show be sure to like comment and subscribe be sure to tune in next time on black and white sports You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube.
the no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Sports. If you're new to the channel, make sure you hit subscribe. And as always, thank you for watching. We're going to talk about former NFL player, a safety plate for the Vikings and the Giants by the name of Jack Brewer. Now, Jack Brewer is a Fox News contributor. He's also involved with a lot of different organizations involving youth. And he is, of course, a man of God. Well, uh, the other day, Ron DeSantis had a uh, press conference where he was signing the Anti-Woke Act down in Florida. And um, there were several young black boys that were on stage with Ron DeSantis at the time of this signing. Well, as you can imagine, this got the dander worked up for one Joy Reid over on MSNBC, possibly the most racist anchor in all of mainstream media. And uh, just to show that people are getting tired of that kind of wokeness on TV, her ratings are literally half of what they were uh, this time last year. I did a video on Black and White Network about that. Well, on her show, The Readout, that she decided to make a statement about these young black boys being on stage with Ron DeSantis, and she equated it and called it child abuse. Well, Jack Brewer came out very publicly the other day and said, oh, no, these are kids that are involved in my organization. They knew exactly what they was doing, because that's what Joy Reid was trying to say. These kids were just paraded up there, and they didn't know what they were involved with. Jack Brewer come out and said, no, that's total BS, and I demand an apology from Joy Reid, from MSNBC, and I've already started talking to my legal counsel. I'm going to file a lawsuit if I don't get just that. Well, this has taken a much bigger step all of a sudden because uh, Jack Brewer is saying this is this is uh, taking a more sinister turn now as Jack Brewer has filed a police report on Joy Reid for putting those kids in danger as he continues to demand an apology. Retired NFL player and philanthropist Jack Brewer has filed a police report and sent a letter to MSNBC host Joy Reid demanding an apology over her claims young black children associated with his education and mentor programs were subjected to child abuse when pictured with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis during the signing of the anti-critical race theory bill. Quote, Miss Reed's reckless statements placed these kids in danger. Certain people motivated by Reed's comments are furiously trying to figure out their identities. Brewer wrote in a letter to Reed demanding a public apology May 2nd. The families are forced to deal with the harassment by the media and being shamed by members of the community for their presence at the event. My foundation was forced to add security and police presence at our facility. Wow, this has really taken a turn. Brewer, found, founder of the Jack Brewer Foundation, also filed a police report with the Coral Springs Police Department this week which was reviewed by Fox News Digital, police officers are now present at Brewer's facilities 
and are helping protect children commuting to and from tutoring and sports programs. The letter and police report follow Reed retweeting a message from Florida State Senator Chevrine Jones last Friday attacking DeSantis for black children being photographed at an event where Governor signed the Stop Woke bill in the law. The tweet included a photo focusing on three black children holding anti-CRT signs who are members of programs Brewer founded, including Serving Institute and the Heroes Program. Quote, this misuse of black boys is tantamount to child abuse. I would really like to hear the backstory on who these kids were and how they wound up at a DeSantis event. Because, as you know, DeSantis has got to be racist in the eyes of the lunatic Joy Reid. Given how anti-black, here we go, DeSantis is, using black children is this way is extra sick. Wow, Brewer states in this letter that, quote, the only thing extra sick is the offensive tweet by Miss Reid that slandered my name as a child abuser and recklessly and maliciously placed these young kids in danger. Miss Reed should know the kids she exposed are victims of schools that limit their educational success based on their demographic makeup as a result of public schools embracing CRT. Reed updated her tweet last week saying that sources informed her the boys in the photo were from a Miami charter and claimed they may have not have known they were at a DeSantis event. Quote, update, heard from a Florida source that these black boys who's America's most racist governor used as props from a Miami charter. I won't know the name. To, I won't share the name of the school to spare the MAGA harassment and threats that they may not have known in advance why they were there. Brewer explained to Fox Digital that the boys in the photo knew why they attended the event and said in his letter to Reed that his program launched a, quote, in-depth CRT event for our students and parents, which prepared them for the realities of critical race theory at the start of the 2021 school year. Uh-oh, Joy Reed. Our kids are very aware of the divisive ideology of CRT and are instead trained on biblical-based principles of equality and pouring into anointing a, as mighty children of God. Bravo. He wrote in a letter, Reed's tweets are still posted on her Twitter account. Wow. Wow. How much longer is MSNBC going to allow this person to stay on the air? I mean, she. it's, it's crazy. Brewer said Friday that the children are facing blowback from their own community following Reed's comments. Quote, I've had to deal with people just because I happen to support conservative Christian views. I get a lot of heat. Well, now my kids are, are feeling bad in their circles and in their communities, and I don't like that. Now they're questioning why people are saying that by them going and standing against things we're teaching them is wrong, and that's really unfortunate. He explained that several of the students have come to him and other program leaders about the matter, but he kept them positive by leaning on Scripture. I tell them that as long as they're doing things for righteousness and for good, just like they persecuted Christ, they will persecute them. And that's really helped them kind of understand the situation. And the other day, um, uh, members of the boys' family also came out and made comments that I touched on in that video. 
wow, Jack Brewer is not playing around. He is not playing around, and he's saying those comments have directly affected the safety, allegedly, of these kids that Joy Reid made. And people in the community, he's had to get a security and police presence there because of what she came out and said on her tweet the other day. She has said some outrageous things on that show. It is amazing. And look, MSNBC is not going to can her. Her ratings are terrible because she will, let's just be real, most likely file a racial discrimination lawsuit against MSNBC if she gets fired. I mean, plain and simple, they're scared to fire her because of the color of her skin. She's out there. She absolutely loathes white people. And she says some of the most outlandish things you've ever heard. It's crazy. I mean, her commentary is just, I mean, it's so woke, it is just frightening. And now, potentially and allegedly, some kids may be in added danger because she made these comments. Jack Brewer has filed a police report against Joy Reid. Wow. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Peace, I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rudrians, for our black and white sports, we're going to talk about Trevor Bauer and how all of a sudden this shines a spotlight on Deshaun Watson and the NFL because this is now being brought up, okay, in relation. Now, keep in mind, I still don't understand why Trevor Bauer got suspended. At the end of the day, it was, look, it was determined that it was a consensual situation between him and the other party. They got rough. Now, with Deshaun Watson, we know there's 22 women that are saying there were not consensual activities going on. As of right now, no criminal charges. Two grand juries have looked at it and said no. Okay? Doesn't mean they can't come back and do it again. And uh, they can, grand juries can, can meet as much, as much as they'd like to. But it certainly adds an element from a public relations standpoint, into the Deshaun Watson situation, and it's already being brought up. Pro Football Talk and Mike Florio is bringing up how, um, and i got to give Florio some credit for this, he's bringing up the fact that Trevor Bauer's situation could influence Roger Goodell and Deshaun Watson when it comes down to eventually suspending him. Major League Baseball stunned the sports world on Friday by suspending Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer for two full seasons based on allegations of domestic violence. Although the facts are very different, it's difficult not to wonder whether the extent of the punishment will influence the NFL's ultimate handling of Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. Bauer was accused of assault that occurred when he allegedly went too far during consensual rough uh, encounters, let's put it that way, during a pair of encounters in April and May 2021. The allegations resulted in no criminal charges. A request for a permanent restraining order was also denied. 
That doesn't prevent the MLB from taking action. The league interviewed other women who claimed that they had been assaulted by Bauer. One woman accused Bauer of choking her to the point of unconsciousness a dozen times during a relationship that spanned years. Okay, that's just going to, I'm going to ask the obvious question here. Why did the relationship span years if this was an issue? Just keeping it real. Bauer was placed on paid leave last July. He has appeals rights, and he intends to exercise them. He venomously denied any and all wrongdoing. The alleged facts are disturbing. This, this is Florio's wording, not mine. More detail is available in this item from ESPN.com. The broader point, as it relates to the NFL, is whether Commissioner Roger Goodell will feel compelled to take stronger action against Watson based on the two-year suspension imposed on Bauer. These are fair and appropriate considerations. And this is the point that Florio's trying to make. The entire personal conduct policy is a PR tool aimed at creating a vehicle for the league to take proper action against players who do things while not working that prompt fans and the media to ask, quote, why doesn't the league take proper action? Question mark. Whether the action taken is or isn't proper is not is determined not by any formula or calculation, but by how fans and media react to it. Already, some in the league office, listen to this, some in the league office are privately advocating for harsh action against Watson, who is accused by 22 women of misconduct during massage sessions. He has not been charged with any crime, but 22 lawsuits are pending and proceeding. Some in the league office believe Watson should be placed on leave until the cases are resolved, with a decision made thereafter as to a possible unpaid suspension. Last month, the commissioner seemed to rule out paid leave, explaining that if the league concludes there's enough to justify paid leave, Watson would simply be suspended without pay. i got to give Goodell some credit there. More than a year, there has been a sense in league circles that Watson will be suspended from four to eight games. Last October, for example, the Dolphins believed that if they had finalized a trade for Watson following the settlement of all the cases, only 18 of 22 were ready to be settled, he would have been suspended six games. So in other words, the league office probably told the Dolphins straight up, we're giving him six games. The Bauer case requires a fresh look at the question. Those in the league office who believe he shouldn't play until the cases are resolved could be inclined to push for a much harsher suspension if and when commissioner decides to impose one. Could Watson be suspended for a full year? It shouldn't be regarded as impossible, and it could be the reason enough for the Browns to try to rebuild a bridge with Baker Mayfield. Wow, with their options of trading him drying up, there's still a chance they'll need him to play in 2022 if Watson ultimately is suspended for the entire season. Wow. Wow, so Florio is dropping the bombshell. That in theory, because Trevor Bauer got nailed with two years, it may put pressure 
on the NFL to come down even harder on Deshaun, leading an avenue for Baker Mayfield to still be a starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. I don't know if I'd go that far, but look, he's going to miss he's going to miss some games. I would assume may not be next year though. That's the thing. I think they believe they're going to get through the season, but now of all people, Rob Manford has put pressure on Roger Goodell because of how he hammered Bauer, justly or unjustly. Now, in public perception, in public eye, you've got one high-profile Major League Baseball star. It just got nailed for two years. And you've got Watson, a starting NFL quarterback that many believe is a top top 10 NFL quarterback, a star NFL quarterback, making $230 million guaranteed Browns. Wow. <laughs> Baker was just sitting there. All right. Uh, but the point is, Deshaun Watson, directly or indirectly, uh, that may have put pressure on the league to actually hammer Deshaun Watson harder than they were going to. Wow. Wow. Interesting. It crossed my mind when I saw the Bauer news drop yesterday. But now, somebody has literally brought it up, made it an issue. I'm sure Florio is going to go into this on PFT, live on their show. So, it's going to get some attention now. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. The cases aren't related at all. But you do have one high-profile athlete that's got misconduct of a certain kind of nature. And another high-profile athlete with conduct of a certain nature. It shines a light on it anyway. Peace. I'm out. Till next. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodriguez for our black and white sports. Well, Keith Oberman, the former and famed ESPN Sports Center anchor that used to be part of the Dan Patrick Keith Oberman legendary duo back in the late 80s, early 90s when ESPN was great. Well, he has decided to uh, jump in head first with his lunatic left wing woke politics straight into the Sage Steel lawsuit saga. Yeah, as he's decided to brave, stunning, and courageously get involved. I mean, not sure why, but he has decided to get involved nonetheless. And uh, I'm sure because Sage is an outspoken uh, conservative and she's filed a lawsuit claiming ESPN, of course, has violated her free speech. And he's decided to weigh in to try to assist uh, the Marxist ESPN of China. Let's take a look at this. Left-wing journalist Keith Overman has offered to help ESPN management in its legal battle with Sage Steele, who is suing the Disney-owned company after she was benched for remarks criticizing vaccine mandates 
and former President Barack Obama still suggested on former NFL player Jay Cutler's uncut podcast that she was, quote, forced to get the COVID vaccine for fear of losing her job. That became very public and a very big deal we covered on this channel. I didn't want to do it, but I work for a company that mandates it, and I had until September 30th to get it done, or I was out, still told Cutler in September. In another instance, still spoke about wanting the option to fill out multiple races on the U.S. census form instead of a single race. Quote, if they make you choose a race, she's like, what are you going to put? And I go, both. She's, she's like, well, you can't, still said. She goes, Barack Obama chose black, and he's biracial. And I'm like, congratulations to the president. That's his thing. I think that's fascinating, considering his black dad was nowhere to be found, and his white mom and grandma raised him. But hey, you do you, and I'm going to do me. Wow. <laughs> Sage Steele is not one uh, to hide her feelings. The Wall Street Journal first reported Steele filed a lawsuit against the famed sports network, claiming the network breached her contract and violated her First Amendment rights by temporarily benching the anchor and forcing her to apologize. But Oberman, a staunch progressive who voluntarily left his own gig at ESPN to rail against former President Trump on YouTube, has decided with, has sided with Disney-owned sports giant over his former colleague. Quote, mark my words carefully. How can I help ESPN management here? Keith Oberman tweeted in response to the Wall Street Journal media reporter Joe Flint discussing the lawsuit in a follow-up tweet. Oberman appeared to do, try to do ESPN's legal homework for them when he pushed back on the claim that the company, quote, violated Connecticut law and that Steele's First Amendment rights based on a, quote, non-existent, unenforced workplace policy that serves nothing more than pretext. This part here is bullshit. This was enforced in every direction. Management once asked me to take down a tweet critical of Philippines political strongman Duterte. I mean, Duterte. In a statement to Fox News, ESPN said Sage remains a valued contributor on ESPN's highest profile content, including recent Masters telecasts and anchoring the noon sports center. The network also said Sage was never suspended as a result of her comments, is seeking unspecified damages. And in case you're wondering why. Uh, Keith Oberman would would s use this word, deterrent. Well, this is in regards to um, Philippines president, Rodrigo deterrent, okay? And this, this term has become part of the Urban Dictionary, okay? And for some, and we know Urban Dictionary can have multiple definitions for something, but what he is essentially trying to say here when he puts that in caps, is that essentially Sage Steele is willing to go out there and talk until somebody decides to challenge her, and then she will become a turncoat coward and run the other way and not be brave, not follow through. Okay, that's essentially kind of what he's trying to say because that's what the Philippine president was once uh, sort of labeled as. His last name is Deterrent, okay? Uh, so... 
That's Keith Oberman essentially slamming Sage Steele and saying that if she is challenged on this, she is going to lose. We will find out. I'm not so sure about that, Keith Oberman. Okay? I mean, look, it's pretty well known. ESPN's kind of like old Twitter was, where it was pretty well known what side of the political aisle they, they're laying in, in the weeds. And um, people like Sage Steele, for lack of a better way of putting it, with the direction of ESPN, people of her political ilk are no longer welcome at ESPN. She has said she's been bullied over there. Why? Because so many of the employees are woke. We're seeing that and we're hearing about that with Disney as well. So, uh, tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Of course, Keith Oberman is going to try to jump in on this when it's really none of his damn business whatsoever. Just being honest. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Well, black and white sports fans, we're going to be talking about Jalen Rose of ESPN. As you guys know, he was actually married to uh, Molly Kiram of ESPN's first take for roughly like three years. They've been dating uh, much longer than that. However, in December, I believe it was December last year, they announced that they were getting a divorce. Uh, Jalen Rose went out on social media, said that they had been living apart for a while and that they were uh, breaking up. And getting a divorce. And there was a lot of speculation out there guys. As to why. They they actually broke up. Now some of the speculation was that. Molly Kiram and Stephen A. Smith. Of uh, First Take. Had a relationship together. Now I don't know how these rumors actually started. But uh, people were speculating that. Uh, that Stephen A. was always flirting with uh, Molly on set. And things like that. I don't really know because. Um, I don't watch uh, First Take any anymore. But Jalen Rose, Molly Kiram did break up and Jalen Rose has heard these rumors about Stephen A. Smith being the reason why they broke up. And now finally, Jalen Rose breaks his silence on the Molly Kiram and Stephen A. Smith thing over here on the New York Post. Jalen Rose opens up about Molly Kiram divorce and quotes laughable. Stephen A. Smith rumors. <laughs> so he's calling it laughable. Let's see what he actually has to say here. ESPN personality Jalen Rose announced his divorce from fellow network host Molly Kiram last December, but never discussed the pup, the uh, split publicly until now. Actually, folks, he should have never actually came out and addressed it. That's his own personal business. But these people that are high profile people, they tend to want to make everything public. But I digress. In a GQ interview published Wednesday, Rose said he and Kiram mutually ended their three-year marriage despite unfounded rumors that she had a separate relationship with Stephen A. Smith, her co-host on ESPN's first take. Now, guys, did Stephen A. and uh, Molly have a relationship together? I don't know. I really don't even care. But we actually did a video on... um. 
the fallout from that because there was a whole bunch of speculation out there from not really reputable websites, but we did a video on that and that video did great. It really, really did explode. But uh, anyway, this is what Jalen Rose had to say, quote, in my personal relationship, it was laughable to me to see Molly Kiram and I part ways, be in accord about why we're parting ways and still see people speculating on why not only speculating in particular saying it was because her and Stephen A. Smith had a relationship, said Rose, who admitted the speculation, quote, bothered him. So, guys, he has come out and he has admitted that those rumors out there about Stephen A. and Molly, they bothered him. Wow. He goes on, quote, and and like unequivocally, I'm not here to speak for what he does in his personal life or what she does in her personal life. I got love for both of them. We still 100. I would just say that for people who thought we parted ways because they have a relationship. Then I got some swampland in Detroit to sell you for top dollar. That is not why we split. I still see that, by the way. I might say something about someone's on team and I'll see that's why Molly left him or that's why Stephen A kicking it with your ex-wife. That's not true. But when it happened, it's two ways for me to handle it as a professional. I work with him. I got love for him. And that's my brother. I got love for her. We were friends before we got married. We just didn't work as a couple. I just saw her today. We cool. But for me to see the speculation and for people to assume that was why it bothered me. He's not holding back, man. This these rumors out there really did bother um, Jalen Rose. Rose went on to explain why he remained silent about his divorce uh, throughout the speculation about his relationship, which he said was, quote, was heavy over the course of a month after announcing the split. Well, he should have remained silent on his divorce because honestly, it's not none of our business. It's not because when you see Jalen Rose and Molly Kiram together on ESPN, you don't look at them and see, man, they're really actually husband and wife. No, you don't see that. He could have kept this whole thing secret, his own personal business to himself, but he never did that. Quote, it was trending online. Smith was trending. Uh, Kiram was trending. I was trending. It was a real thing, Rose said. And like I am, am I about to respond to that? I gave it gave me a real fork in the road, but I didn't because I knew it wasn't true. I would just be fueling those people, not responding and finally sprinkling some here and there. It made people who ran with it look less credible. We discussed it. It's why none of us said anything. People would say Jalen's a sucker. Stephen A snatched his wife and he up there working with him or look, look at Molly. She was just talking to Jalen yesterday and now she's kicking it with that ain't happened. We all looked at it like it was such a reach. That's why none of us have spoken on it. <laughs> and of course, guys, you guys know that um, eventually after um, they broke up, all these rumors started out there. But you know what, Jalen, you brought it on yourself, man. All you had to do was say nothing. 
But famous people like to put all their personal business out there. Nobody had to know that they had broken up. He didn't have to go on Instagram or wherever it was, Twitter or whatever, and announce his divorce. No, us normal people, we never do that. Us normal people will keep our private lives private. Now, granted, he's a celebrity. She's a celebrity. They're on TV. But rich people, famous people, they tend to want their public business, their private business out there in public. So he did it to himself. Um, and he, he, this is what he actually put out. He even says it right here. Last December, Rose announced that he and Kieran had split in a note on his Instagram story. Quote, after being separated for almost a year, Molly and I have officially decided to go our separate ways. We both agree uh, remaining friends and colleagues is the best course of action for our relationship moving forward. Please respect our privacy at this time. You know, it's very funny about these, uh, these uh, celebrities. They announce their private life, but they always say, please respect our privacy. Well, it's open season, man, because you let your private life now become public. You were the one out there that was saying that, um, oh, we're getting divorced. Nobody told you to announce that, Jalen. You did it to yourself. And you have now come out and said, yeah, it bothered you that um, there were there was rumors out there about Stephen A. Smith and Molly. Well, but that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, Jalen Rose addresses the Stephen A. Smith rumors. And he let he let everybody know it did bother him. Well, you're a free agent now, man. Molly's free. Stephen A. Smith is free. And they have a relationship together. I don't know. I really don't care. Uh, best of luck to all parties involved in this. You know, but Jalen Rose, you put your business out there. So you should have expected this kind of backlash because we see Stephen A. Smith and Molly on TV every single day together. They've been working together for years. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into... Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, if you follow us over on Black and White Network, you probably know where we're going with this particular video here. On the Network channel, we always call out the left, you know, for not honoring free speech. If you don't agree with the left, then you're an enemy. Now, when it comes to uh, Say Steel, as you guys know, Say Steel is suing ESPN for violating her rights to free speech. You know why? Because leftist companies, socialist companies, they don't believe in it. And really, guys, the left all the way up to the occupier of the Oval Office, they hate that you have free speech. So they're doing everything in their power to destroy that. Well, guys, the Say Steel lawsuit really exposes how far left uh, ESPN is. And these woke employees over there, if you're on the left, you, if you have the right political leanings, you're going to be just fine over there. But in the case of Sage Steel, 
a biracial woman. If you say anything that remotely resembles an attack on the left, then you're out. You're pretty much out. Now, she's still employed at ESPN as far as I know, but we know that she has been a pariah over there. But guys, check this out. Ryan Clark refused to work with Sage Deal lawsuit alleges. And folks, he's not the only one that uh, got away with a few things over there in response to uh, the Sage Steel situation. It says here, ESPN NFL analyst Ryan Clark refused to appear on air for a scheduled segment last year with his co-worker Sage Steel because she had exercised her right to free speech and spoke out against the company's COVID-19 vaccine mandate still alleges in a lawsuit filed against ESPN and parent company Disney. Now, guys, you guys remember, Say Steel did not want to get the jab, and she was vocal about that. She felt pressured to get it. She ended up getting it, and uh, she came out and she hammered uh, Disney for it. She also talked about Barack Obama as well, and I believe, folks, that probably the Obama thing, you know, the left's the Lord and Savior, if you come out and criticize him, then you're in big trouble with the left and Walt Disney, who owns ESPN. According to the suit, Clark told ESPN executives in November on November 12, 2021, that he would not appear on an episode of the 12 p.m. Sports Center unless the network replaced Steele, the anchor of the show, with another host. And when ESPN declined, Clark did not show up for the appearance. Quote, he suffered no penalty from ESPN as a result. So, guys, let me get this straight here. Ryan Clark did not show up to work. He didn't show up to do his job. And nothing happened to him. Nothing. Why? Because he has the right politics. Say still gone suspended. I got a problem with this, folks. If when I worked in the corporate world, folks, if I did not show up, if I told my boss I'm not coming in when I'm supposed to be there, I'm not sick or anything. Guess what? No vacation days or anything like that. I'm probably going to get fired. Ryan Clark, safe and sound to ESPN. It goes on. It says at least ESPN is consistent. Clark is just the latest example of the double standards at ESPN, which permits left-leaning on-air talents to engage in um, escrutable behavior without repercussions while it retaliates against Steele because she does not share those progressive views. The suit points out that fellow SportsCenter anchor anchor Nicole Briscoe also uh, turned Mean Girl against Steele. She once replied a man to a tweet that expressed hope that ESPN would no longer permit Steele to cover women's sporting events. Actually, that's not true. Briscoe didn't just say amen. In fact, she nearly dared the network to discipline her for publicly criticizing a colleague saying amen. Even if it gets me in trouble, amen. Still made note of uh, Briscoe's comment to ESPN executive uh, Norby Williamson, but like in the case of uh, Clark, ESPN did nothing. Is anybody really surprised about this? I'm not. 
ESPN is just basically saying, if you're going to work for us, you better get down with the left. You better agree with everything that we say. It goes on. What is still done to offend her colleagues so much? Are they so fragile that a few questions about vaccine mandates and Barack Obama's uh, Barack Obama's uh, census answers sent them into a rage? Maybe. However, most aren't really upset by what Steele has said. They're trying to show which side they're on. And they are using Steele as a foil. Though always there, the divide between Steele and the far left wing of ESPN accelerated in 2020 with the pandemic and the death of George Floyd. Despite significant pressure, Steele did not succumb to groupthink and her co-workers want to ruin her for her courage and conviction. L. Duncan and Michael Eves notably froze Steele out of a social justice special in 2020 and probably ejected to her blackness as a biracial woman. Unbelievable. Obviously, most ESPN personalities want to uh, side with the uh, spoiled woke like Duncan, not Steele, who has become a network pariah. That's what it is about. Hanging with the cool kids, but refusing to appear alongside Steele. Uh, Clark was signaling to his bosses and to the Duncan um, types that he's on the right side of the battle. Say Steele bad, Ryan Clark good. By the way, Ryan Clark is one of the least talented broadcasters at ESPN uh, working next to Steele. An elite interviewer uh, would help offset his limitations. Unfortunately, he's too impressed with his own virtue to notice. Bobby Burrack, good article here over here on OutKick, guys. But are you guys really surprised by this that um, Say Steele was uh, treated by, like this uh, by um, Ryan Clark? He did not want to work with her. And he was vocal about it. Didn't show up to work. Nothing happened to him. Nothing. I'm not surprised in the least, big man. I'm really not. This is Walt Center. This is ESP CNN. Make sure you check out the merch store also as well. You can actually get that shirt. 26% off. Just type in a discount code. LaChana1. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to Black and White Sports, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into. Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rodrance for Black and White Sports. If you're new to the channel, make sure you hit subscribe. And as always, we appreciate you guys watching. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers because he was on with Pat McAfee last night live while the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft was going on. And he made a rather surprising revelation while on with Pat McAfee about Devontae Adams. Of course, Devontae Adams was his number one wide receiver for the last several years with the Green Bay Packers. And Devontae Adams chose and said he wanted to get traded out of Green Bay to the Raiders. Now, you got to keep in mind, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams are very, very close friends. 
and they played together in college, okay? And they set a hell of a lot of records. They really kicked ass and threw up numbers out there. Uh, I believe it was with Fresno State. Well, uh, Aaron Rodgers dropped some things last night about what did he know, what did he not know. And in regards to him coming back to the Packers, re-signing, and I found this rather interesting. So let's get to this. This is Larry Brown Sports. Aaron Rodgers makes surprising revelation about Devontae Adams' trade. Devontae Adams was traded to the Raiders less than two weeks after Aaron Rodgers committed to the Packers with a new contract. The trade was a stunner, but reports soon surfaced that Rodgers knew Adams was gone when he agreed to the new deal. Star quarterback says that was not the case. Rodgers appeared on the Pat McAfee show during the first round of the NFL draft on Friday night. He spoke about the Adams trade, and he said he thought the all-pro receiver was going to stick around in Green Bay with him. So that's very different than what we had originally heard. Here's his quotes. Quote, it was a little surprising with Devontae. Obviously, when I made my decision, I was still thinking he was going to come back. Aaron Rodgers said, as transcribed by ESPN's Marcel Luis Jacquez, I was very honest with him about my plans and my future and where I saw my career going as far as how many years I want to play. But I felt like he was going to be back. Didn't obviously turn out that way. But I have so much love for Adams, and I appreciate the time we spent together and definitely wish him the best uh, in, uh, with Derek in Vegas. The Packers did not receive <laughs> pick a receiver on Friday. Uh, well, it's supposed to be Thursday night. They went with a pair of Georgia defensive players, Quay Walker and defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt at 22 and 28, respectively. It should be noted there were six really damn good wide receivers in this draft that were first-round talents, and all six were gone. Now, you can certainly make the case that the Packers should have packaged those two first-round picks and went up and jumped up while they could still get, you know, of the six, somebody maybe in the top, you know, at least the last three available or something to get a star wide receiver. I saw today Peter King on PFT. He destroyed the Packers over not going up and getting a a wide receiver for Rodgers. Rodgers was on air with McAfee when Green Bay took Wyatt, and he said he knew Wyatt was the player the Packers were targeting. Okay, so he was involved with that. Rodgers also mentioned how several wide receivers went earlier in the round. He admitted teams have to, quote, look at the asking price associated with trading up and determine if that makes sense. As for Adams... Rodgers insists he did not know his longtime teammate was going to demand a trade. Quote, there's a lot of things that surprise you, even still, Rodgers said. I thought that based on the number that we offered Devontae and being able to play with me for a few more years would make a difference. But in the end, I think he was ready to move on and wanted my help in making that happen. The Packers still have a major void at wide receiver. In addition to trading Adams, they also let Marquez Valdez-Scanling walk in free agency. Rodgers said he will continue to trust the team and Matt LaFleur's offense. We find that hard to believe that Rodgers was blindsided by the Adams trade. 
He had to at least had a, an idea that his star receiver wanted out, especially given what we heard after the deal went through. So that's really interesting because when that trade first happened, the first thing that was asked, I, I made a video on the trade when the trade broke, and the first thing was, you know, did Rodgers know about this or did he not? Surely, surely he assumed Adams was coming back because he'd been very vocal about offensive weapons over time. So surely he thought that he was coming back and, and it came out. Oh, no, he knew when he signed the contract. He knew Devontae was getting traded. Well, Aaron Rodgers just confirmed he did not know that Devontae Adams was getting traded out of Green Bay when he re-signed. Now, he's, not, he's doing the, the uh, team-friendly thing here and saying, hey, yeah, you know, uh, I didn't know, but he's trying to take one for the team. Aaron Rodgers is pretty outspoken. I cannot imagine he's happy with what has transpired there. They signed Sammy Watkins, and yeah, when he's healthy, very talented. He's just never healthy, so that's a problem. Okay, so who knows where the, you know, look, the value wasn't there for them to reach on a wide receiver last night. That I can acknowledge while watching the draft. But again, you would have thought maybe package two picks, move up, grab a hot shot wide receiver, and there was a lot of them in those first, you know, 17 picks or so. Uh, but the Packers did not do it. They didn't think the value was there. They got help on the defensive side of the ball. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Aaron Rodgers with the revelation, I did not know that Devontae was leaving. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, black and white sports fans, we got some huge breaking news from Major League Baseball, man. Trevor Bauer, who has actually been out just about a full year. MLB dropped their hammer on him today. Check this out over here on ESPN. MLB suspends Dodgers Bauer for two seasons. Now, guys, he's already been out pretty much um, a season already. I believe in uh, July of last year. And now they have suspended him for the rest of this season and all of 2023. And it says even some of 2024. Folks, this is completely insane, guys. Now, guys, here's the thing. Trevor Bauer doesn't even have charges brought against him. He has denied everything, folks. This is insane. MLB jumped the gun on this one. He hasn't even been found guilty in a court of law. This is insane. Rob Manfred, what are you doing, man? Over here on OutKick, MLB suspends Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer for two years for domestic violence. MLB announced Friday that it has suspended Dodgers right-handed pitcher Trevor Bauer for two years for violating its domestic violence policy. That's a total of 324 games for Bauer, who has been on administrative leave since 
July the 2nd of 2021, when the allegations first came to light. He was placed on leave after a Southern California woman accused Bauer of choking her unconscious, doing some other stuff here that I can't actually say here on YouTube, but you get the gist here if you know what's been going on with him. Bauer 31 has vehemently denied the accusations and has not been charged criminally in the L.A. County District Attorney's Office review of the case. Soon after the suspension was announced, Bauer tweeted that he will be appealing the uh, suspension. And he says here in the strongest possible terms, I deny committing any violation of the Leeds domestic violence and sexual assault policy. I am appealing this action and expect to prevail. As we have throughout this process, my representatives and I respect the confidentiality of the proceedings. Guys, what do you guys think of this, man? MLB completely jumped the gun on this. This is insane. Uh, The Dodgers actually did release a statement here on his suspension. He says, uh, today we were informed that MLB has concluded its investigation into allegations that have been uh, made against Trevor Bauer, and the commissioner has issued his decision regarding discipline. The Dodgers organization takes all allegations of this nature very seriously and does not condone or excuse any acts of domestic violence or sexual assault. We've cooperated fully with MLB's investigation um, since it began, and we fully support MLB's joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy, and the commissioner's enforcement of the policy. We understand that Trevor has the right to appeal the commissioner's decision. Therefore, we will not comment further until the process is complete. Folks, this is utterly ridiculous. The man has not been charged with anything and they have pretty much, you know, given him the death penalty. When he returns, if he returns, it'll be a full three years before he's back on the field. Now, guys, what if he's actually found to be innocent? If any charges are actually brought upon him, he has zero charges and Rob Manfred has suspended this man for two years. Rob Manfred has said this man is guilty. Wow, guys. But this is completely insane, guys. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, Trevor Bauer. You won't see him until 2024. Insane. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to Black and White Sports. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, Black and White Sports fans, we're going to be talking about tennis legend Boris Becker a six-time Grand Slam champion. He got some pretty bad news today. He is now going to prison for two and a half years for bankruptcy fraud. So let's jump over here to ESPN. You can see here, tennis great Boris Becker was sentenced to two and a half years in prison on Friday for 
illicitly transferring large amounts of money and hiding assets after he declared bankrupt, was declared bankrupt. The three-time Wimbledon champion was convicted earlier this month on four charges under the Insolvency Act and had faced a maximum sentence of seven years in prison. Judge Deborah Taylor announced the sentence after hearing arguments from both the prosecutor and Becker's attorney. The 54-year-old German was found to have transferred hundreds of thousands of pounds after his June 2017 bankruptcy from his business account to other accounts, including those of his ex-wife Barbara and estranged wife Lily Becker. Becker was also convicted of failing to declare a property in Germany and hiding um, $871,000 in a bank loan and shares in a tech firm. The jury at the uh, Southwark Crown Court in London acquitted him on 20 other counts, including charges that he failed to hand over um, his many awards, including two Wimbledon trophies and an Olympic gold medal. Man, that's got to suck, man. When you got to give away your trophies that you uh, that you actually won. I believe he uh, won Wimbledon for the first time in the late 1980s, if I'm not mistaken. He was a great player. When you think of um, all time great players, his name usually doesn't come up um in the top five or so, but he, Becker's roughly a top 10-ish player of all time, if you ask me, top 12, somewhere around there. Uh, Becker wearing a um, striped tie in Wimbledon's on purple and uh, green colors, walked onto, walked into the courtroom hand-in-hand hand with his girlfriend, uh, Lillian. The six-time Grand Slam champion has denied all charges, saying he had cooperated with trustees, tasked with securing his assets, even offering up his wedding ring, and had acted on expert advice at a uh, Friday's uh, sentencing hearing prosecutor, uh, Rebecca Chalkley said Becker had acted deliberately and dishonestly and that he was quote, still seeking to blame others. So guys, there you have it, man, Boris Becker going to prison, man, this is pretty sad right here. I know that he has some, um, some financial problems and, uh, this all stems from his bankruptcy and, um, 2017 man this sucks for him man i wish him all the best i was a fan of of uh, boris becker um, when i was a kid i was much more of a sampras fan sampras was actually my favorite uh tennis player uh before rafa nadal came on the scene and um rafa nadal is my favorite tennis player of all time but that's just my thoughts on this what do you guys think of this black and white sports fans tennis great boris becker going to the big house in uh, london i believe for bankruptcy fraud let us know what you think about all this in the comments make sure you subscribe to the channel and we'll catch you next time thanks for watching the show be sure to like comment and subscribe be sure to tune in next time on black and white sports